So this is the, the third season that my family and I have, have had a garden. We, we started a garden a couple, couple seasons ago, and this is the third time, and, and I really like having a garden. And actually, what we're doing this year is a little bit different than what we've done in the past seasons. We were doing this traditional row garden, and now we're doing these circles. It looks like a bunch of crop circles, like the aliens landed in our yard, but everything's growing up really nice. And, and I've got all kinds of stuff in my garden. I've got four different varieties of tomatoes. I've got broccoli and cauliflower and corn and pumpkins and watermelon and onions and collards and kale and cabbage and spinach and cilantro and cucumbers and peppers and okra and we got a few things in the garden. And it's all coming up. I love, I love this whole thing. I love like the process of gardening. I love designing the garden. I love setting it up. I love thinking through what can go near what and what can't go near what and planting and, and trying to find out about the seasons and when I need to begin to plant and when. I love getting my hands dirty. I love, you know, being in the soil, being in the dirt and then planting that seed and then watching that thing grow and then being able to harvest that vegetable. I love um, going out into the garden and then clipping a bunch of lettuce and spinach and a cucumber and a tomato and whatever and then creating a salad that my family eats. I love when I come home from work sometimes, uh, I'll see Jess walking out to the garden to get a bunch of collards to make some collards and she's figured out how to make a mean batch of collards. You guys should come over sometime. It's so very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. Uh, I, I just love all the stuff and then I love not only like harvesting obviously is, is, is a fun thing, but then even kind of when the season comes to an end, you take these vegetables and then you, you learn how to save the seeds and then you save the seeds so that when the next season comes, you can plant those same seeds again and you can repeat this cycle over and over again. There's something about this process, about this rhythm, about planting and growing and harvesting to me that, that, that is, is deeply moving to my being. There's something about this process of, of, of this cycle that continues to go over and over again um, that I feel much closer to these things. You know, you, you plant this seed into the soil and then this little thing starts to spring up out of the ground. And then as it starts to grow, the, the roots grow deeper into the soil, and then it gets bigger, and the, the roots like take the nutrients from the soil, and then it develops this little vegetable of some sort, and then it's kind of awesome. You take that vegetable, and then I get to eat that vegetable, and I get to teach my kids about this whole thing, which is an, another thing that I love, but you get to eat that vegetable that you remove from this plant that's connected to these roots. You remove it from its source of life, so essentially... This thing has now been disconnected, this tomato, this cucumber, this whatever has been disconnected from its source of life and then I get to eat it and then that's the thing that eventually like sustains my body. And so in order for me to live, there has to be something else that dies. You know, and, and, the, and the reality is, is the closer that thing was to living, the healthier it is for me. Right? We want to eat fresh food, fresh food because it's better for our bodies. And then when I have this vegetable, whatever it is, cucumbers, tomatoes, okra, it all, each of these contains seeds and then I can take these seeds and then I can bury those seeds eventually into the ground and begin the whole process over again. 
There's this process, this cycle, this pattern that keeps happening in all of creation. When you look at my garden, I, I did raised beds this year, and well, I have every year because we live on sand, and sand doesn't grow things very well. So um, there's a guy down the road that he has this incredible compost that I get from him, and it's, it, he, he makes me this mixture, and he takes this big you know, forklift thing, and he scoops it, and it's, it's this mixture of, of mushroom compost, and then like manure, and then this, you know, other organic matter, or whatever, and he brings this to my farm, and this is what I take, and so it's this big pile of, of dying, dead, decaying organic matter, and I put that into circles now instead of rows, and then I plant in that, because in this dead, dying, decaying organic matter, there's all kinds of nutrients that will help my plants to grow, and they will eventually grow and produce a vegetable that I will eat, and then this, this whole thing just keeps on going. Even what I've learned um, in, in this whole like planting thing too is, is to be more to paid attention to, to the seasons. I know we're in Florida and so it works a little bit different. It's a bit more mild, but it still matters when I'm going to plant, what season it is and what time of the month it is and how this whole thing is going. And you guys know the seasons. You have spring, which starts with this new life. And then you have summer where things are growing and then fall where the leaves are changing color. Not in Florida because it's green, but they get a little yellowish. And then you get into winter and everything dies. And then you get back to spring and you have new life. Everything has new life again. And so there's this cycle of life and death and life and death and life and death. And this happens year after year after year after year. There's this rhythm and pattern and cycle that's built into the very fabric of life. So right now when it comes to my garden, this is a fun time. Because we've done all the prep work, we've done all the planting, we've done all that stuff. You know, the, the, the garden is growing up fantastic right now. I've got all my tomatoes are yay high, my, my cucumbers are going crazy. We started harvesting some cucumbers. Um, it's just like the fun time where you get to pick and harvest the garden. This is what we've been waiting for. And so I love being able to send my kids out and, and they get to harvest the stuff. And my kids, man, my kids are awesome because they can walk around the garden and they can identify like all the plants which is fantastic, you know. They can't identify like video games, which I'm excited about, but they can identify plants, which is really, really cool to me. So everything right now is, 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 is getting ready to come up. It's, it's blossoming, there's flowers everywhere. But in a month or a month or so, a little beyond a month, we will come to the end of this harvesting season, and then we will begin to save some seeds, and then we will save those seeds through the winter. We may have a little winter garden because it's Florida. You can plant most of the time. But um, in the spring, we'll take those seeds and we'll bury them in the ground because when you bury stuff, we have the tendency to bury things that are dead and then that dead thing will bring new life and I will have a spring garden and we will continue to repeat this cycle. This is part, part of the whole thing. And so essentially, when you're looking at this, whether it's the garden, whether it's the, the compost that I've brought in, whether it's the seasons, whatever it is, there's this thing that's built into the fabric of the entirety of the created order that says death is essentially the engine for life. You see, when, when, when the Bible talks about God bringing new life to the world, when the Bible talks about God bringing new life to the world, it talks about Jesus who dies and then is raised to life. It talks about how his death brings us 
life. Jesus lives, then he dies, and then out of his death, he lives again. You see, part of the beauty of this thing we call the resurrection is that the thing that Jesus does in this life and death and then back to life again is he's actually like stepping into and connecting to this rhythm and pattern and cycle that's been happening for a really long time. It's, it's the pattern that's built into the fabric of the entirety of the created order. Jesus is connecting with that. He's, or maybe all of those things are, are kind of pointing to him. Maybe all of creation is actually pointing to this pattern that we find and can only find really through Jesus. Jesus talks about this, this rhythm and this cycle. John chapter 12, verse 24 says, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, did you know one head of wheat contains 50 to 60 kernels of corn? So if they stay on the head and never fall to the ground and never die, and they will only be one of 50. But if one, or let's say all of those 50 to 60 kernels of wheat on the head of wheat fall to the ground and die, then you have 50 to 60 kernels that become 50 to 60 plants, which each have a head, which now contain 50 to 60 more kernels of wheat. So when you look at this, what it's saying is like the, 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 the expectation or, or the, um, the potential for life is exponential, but it all begins with how this thing must first die. The potential for life is exponential, but it begins with death. Jesus understood this pattern and this rhythm, and he didn't just talk about it, he actually carried that out. And he didn't just talk about it, he didn't just carry it out, he actually invites us to this rhythm and this pattern that we see that's in the, that's in the, the created order everywhere we look. So Luke chapter nine. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever wants to lose their life for me will save it. So Jesus invites us to die to the self so that we can have life. It's almost like the pattern that we see everywhere in my garden, in the dirt, in the seasons, Life and then death and then life and then death. He invites us to die to the self so that we may live. This is really, really difficult, though, for us. We're not good at this. At least I can only speak for myself. We want things to be the way we want them. We want things to, to like, tilt in our direction. We want our team to win. We want to be the one who is right. It's very difficult to die to self. But when you begin to think through the teachings of Jesus, what you will see is that so much of what he's doing is actually teaching us or helping us to die to the self. If you look at something like the uh, Beatitudes, he says, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. All these things essentially have to do with the dying to the self. Blessed are, 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 the, are the merciful. Well, in order for me to be merciful to somebody else, it means I must have some sort of empathy for that person or for the thing they're going through. In order for me to have some sort of empathy towards what they're going through, it means I have to put myself aside. I have to die to myself to some degree so that I can be in their corner helping them and showing them Mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers. You have these two things that are opposed to one another that need some sort of resolve. And so if it's me and somebody else, if it's an issue, whatever, if it's two different people, what it means is in order for there to be peace and harmony, it can't just be my way or the highway. 
it means I'm going to have to die to self in some way and allow for how I operate to maybe take a back seat for the sake of bringing peace to the situation. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Yeah, this is a tough one. Turn the other cheek, whether you're getting beat up physically, emotionally, you know, verbally, whatever it is, when somebody comes at you, the hardest thing to do is to not fight directly back. In order for me to not do this, I need to die to self because there's something within me, my ego, my pride, that's ready to spout off right back at you. Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. Are you kidding me? Yeah, there's a lot of things that I would want to do for somebody who's persecuting me. A lot of things I might want to do or say or whatever. Like praying for them is not in the top 10 normally. It's not my go-to move when I come under persecution. In order to do this, I need to die to the self to begin to pray for those who persecute me. Or in Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. The, there is no commandment greater than these. Love your neighbor as yourself. In order for me to love somebody else as myself, I have to think about how do I want to be loved. I want to be loved where I'm at and for who I am. In order for me to love somebody where they're at for who they are, it means I might need to set aside my parameters for how I judge people on what they are, who they are, whatever, for the sake of loving them, which means I'm going to have to die to myself to some degree in order to love them the way that I want to be loved. Maybe you know someone or maybe you are someone who has the tendency to tell stories, and you tell a lot of stories about yourself, and you tell a lot of stories about yourself that always seem to put you looking better than you might actually be. <laughs> Maybe you find yourself in a position of feeling like you have to be right. You ever been in a disagreement that you just couldn't let go of? Do you ever find yourself highlighting the flaws in other people's character or their personality or their physical being for the sake of elevating your sense of self so that you can feel better about yourself. Do you ever catch yourself judging people based on what they drive or what they wear or where they live or who they married or the size of their house or who they vote for so that you can place them in some sort of weird thing. You have this category system in your brain and then because of what they drive or where they're from or who they you can place them in this category and arrange them in such a way that I know now that they are better than me or I am better than them and we create all these weird systems in our brains and, and what Jesus is doing is he's inviting you to let go of all of that. You, you, ever, you ever had a relationship broken because somebody refused to apologize? Maybe it was you, maybe it was them, but you just couldn't bring yourself to say, I'm sorry, or I forgive you. Why? Why is it so hard for us to say, I'm sorry? Because I'm sorry is this like admitting of wrong. I'm sorry is this dying to the self, and we're not very good of that, about that. Have you ever thought about doing something new, trying something new, maybe outside of your comfort zone, but then you stopped yourself or you talked yourself out of it because one of your thoughts was, well, what will everybody else think if I do that? Jesus invites you to die to all of that. 
The teachings of Jesus are in direct opposition to how the world operates and functions. The world says, hey, you want to make it big? The, the goal of life is to like completely ascend. Like you, you just want to keep this upward trajectory. So you want to get the bigger title and the bigger paycheck and you can buy the bigger house and the faster cars and then you can have more toys and then you can... And it's all about this like grab for money and for power. And so this way when I get to retirement age, I can have, I can take it easy. And I, everything that Jesus teaches us is like the opposite of that. It goes in a whole different direction. He's not teaching us about the path of ascent. He's teaching us and inviting us to the path of descent. He's inviting us to let go of the ego, to let go of our sense of pride, to let go of all of these things that we use to prop ourselves up. He invites us to lose our life so that we can truly find it. This is difficult. This is a contrary thought. This is a contrary to, to maybe even our nature. It's contrary to, to what we usually think of when we talk about expressing our faith. This is a struggle. And, and this is a question that only you can answer. You yourself can sort through this thing, but you're the only one because it's hard to die to the self. It's hard to die to the self. Men, many of us are desperately clinging to these little bits of ourself. Here, here's our ego. Here, here's, our, here's our pride. Here's our, our, our bank accounts. Here's our retirement funds. Here's our... What, we cling to these little things to have some sort of sense of self. We cling to how morally right we think we are. We cling to trusting in our own goodness. For, we trust to... So many people, especially in the world that we live in with like the social media age and everything, and everybody's putting on this show online, here's what my life is like, here's what my life is like. Meanwhile, they're dying on the inside. So many people, I think, are in spending so much time and effort and money into putting on this show, this facade of having this particular kind of life. They invest so much energy into that, I think we're actually losing out on the life that we've been given. I mean, doesn't this seem exhausting? Don't you ever get tired of, I've got to keep up this sense of who I am, this facade about who you are? Well, what if they really found out about me? Or what if they saw beneath the surface level things? Are you clinging to your sense of self? Or are, are you holding so tightly onto this picture of what your life is that m maybe you're missing out on the life that you actually have. You ever struggle with saying, I don't know? You ever struggle with saying, I'm not sure? I'm in a particular line of work where I get a lot, asked a lot of questions a lot of times, and they seem to be like these big, like, life-directing kind of questions, like, you know, God, death, afterlife, heaven, hell, all these things, you know, like these big, heavy questions. And, and, and for a lot of it, there's, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on some of it, but then there's like this whole other section that there's so much that I go, oh man, I, I, I just, I'm not sure about that thing exactly. So there's this whole category. So if somebody asks me a question and it happens to fall in this category of I'm not sure what's going on here, I have like two ways that I can respond. I can talk in circles and use big words and hope that you get so confused by what I'm saying that we both think I said something important and valuable. <laughs> I hope you haven't experienced that, but uh, you're like, wait a second, I remember we were talking the other day and it seemed to make sense when we were there, but then I left and there was nothing of value that you, anyways, or 
I can go, you know what, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not sure about that. But sometimes saying, I don't know, I'm not sure about that, it can sting because then it's a shot to who I am. Because the image of myself that I hold or that many people hold is that, well, you're supposed to be the guy with the answers. And if I'm not the guy with the answers, then what value do I have? So when it comes to this question that you've asked, I either talk in circles and make us both feel ridiculous or I go, I don't know, which then I have to wrestle with my own sense of pride and ego to which I might say, Seth, This is what Jesus is inviting you to die to. You don't have to maintain the image, this false sense of self. We have these opportunities and these choices every day where we get to choose, are we going to prop up our pride, our ego, our false sense of self, or will we choose to die to ourself and find the freedom that Jesus is inviting us to have? Will we die to the self and find Life. Will we die to the self and find a more vibrant and fulfilling kind of life? Maybe even the kind of life that you were meant to have all along. There's this universal truth that is built into the fabric of the created order that God has created. Whether we're talking about planting a garden, whether we're talking about where the compost comes from, whether we're talking about the seasons, whether we're talking about the idea that your skin replaces itself like every 30 days, there's this pattern, this cycle built into all of life. And what we see is that death is the engine of life. Death is the engine of life. And so Jesus invites us to die so that we can live. Jesus invites us to die to the self so that we can live. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a bit of a response time. I want you to take a minute before you do anything. I'm going to give you some time to think and to pray and to do a little bit of self-analysis here. What are some things in your life that maybe you are either clinging so tightly to that you have not let go that it's causing problems or maybe you're trying to maintain this facade about who you are and what people think about who you are? What are those things that maybe you need to let go of? Maybe you need to put to rest. Maybe you need to die to those things today. What is it? Maybe it's your bank account. Maybe it's your sense of, I don't know, your favorite sports team. <laughs> silly, but I don't know. Just what is that thing? Maybe it's uh, having the, all the right answers. Maybe it's being, uh, having the biggest title. Maybe it's, what is that thing? And then I want you to respond in one of three ways, and you can do multiple ways here. This is just, we're giving you options. Around the room, we have these tables, and on the tables are these compostable pots, and then there is some soil, and then there is a seed, and then there is water. So I'd like you to take the pot, put a scoop of soil in it, take the seed, plant the seed, put a little couple sprays of water in it, and then take that with you. Take it back to your seat, take it home, put it on your window seal, and then let this be a reminder to you. Let this be a reminder to you. And maybe today that seed needs to be a representation of something that you need to bury, something that you need to die to self. And so maybe as you're planting that seed, you're thinking about, well, you know, I really take a whole lot of pride in, 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 in my bank account. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die to self in that, in that area of my life. And then maybe you take this home and you put it on your window seal, and then what you see is like in a couple days, that thing begins to grow. And I want you to let that plant be a reminder that out of death comes new life. Will, will you respond that way? Will, will you envision the thing that you need to die to and envision dying to the self with that seed as you're planting it? Because... We bury things that are dead, and death is the engine of life. 
The other thing you can do to respond is we have other tables that we have our communion stations. We have this bread, and we have this juice that represents the body and the blood of Jesus. And we are so blessed each and every week to be able to celebrate this meal, that we come to this table, that God who loved us so much sent his son for us. And what's brilliant about this meal is that this meal actually encapsulates everything we're talking about right now, death and then life and then death. So participating in this meal is not just, yes, accepting the love of the Father. Yes, Father, we, we're repentant. We're sorry for the things we have done. Uh, we, we step into the grace and mercy of, of Jesus. Uh, but it's also stepping in and acknowledging the cycle of life and death. That through his death, we now may live. We have this victory over death and we have life because of it. So plant your seed, take your communion. The other option is this. I want to invite you, if you've never been baptized, to come be baptized today. When you talk about everything that we've talked about uh, today, the picture of baptism uh, is like a tangible fleshing out of everything that we've talked about. Okay, when you think about this, we have a baptism up here. And so if you've got, if this is something you, you would be interested in and you're like, you're worried about what people will think, Die to self. Get over it. We've got towels. We've got shirts. Whatever you need. It's right back here. Um, the picture of baptism is such a beautiful thing. One of the things it connects us to is everything that we're talking about. You have this water that represents the grave. And then I step into this water and I'm taken under the water. I'm immersed under the water, which represents death. The death of self. It's, it's, it represents planting the seed. And then when I'm raised up out of the water... I'm brought to new life. I am this thing that was dead but is now given new life, like this seed that's now growing and it's growing a plant and it becomes this beautiful thing. This picture of baptism connects us to this cycle of all of life, to the cycle of the seasons, to the thing that Jesus was doing, to communion, to planting. This idea of baptism is so huge and so beautiful and it's an invitation to come die to the self so that you may find life. In fact, Paul talks about it this way in Romans 6. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly, be, uh, certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. You see, baptism is this picture of this universal truth that death is the engine of life. This connects us to the way that God designed everything to work. And most importantly, it connects us to the victory of death that we have through Jesus. So if you're here today and maybe you've never fully died to self, I want to invite you. I want to invite you. Come, be baptized. Die to the self so that you may truly live. So I'm going to pray, and then we've got the seed stations, we've got the communion stations, and if you're here today and you're ready to make that decision, I'll be right down here. Come talk to me. We can make this thing happen today. Find the new life that you've been invited to. Jesus didn't just talk about it. He did it, and he participated in it, and he invites us to participate in it as well.